we are now moving on to our number two. Right. Uh, I, I forgot we were doing this. Ac- yeah. yeah what we're actually here to <laughs> this do. This threw me off starting with reading those, and I was, like, ready to go into, like, podcast mode, and then I was like, wait, no. Right. We're reading emails. Now it's time to podcast. Yeah, we yeah. watched a movie last night. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think of Psycho Gorman? It's the best movie ever made. <laughs> the greatest rap ever made. First off, Psycho Gorman is amazing, and everyone should go watch it. Um, but Brian, <laughs> what's your number two album? Um, my number two album is going to be uh, Lost and Gone Forever by Guster. Um, so this album, I think I was originally introduced to Guster through um, a, a mixed CD from my older sister. Um, and I think she was getting ready to go into college or had just gone to college um, and was getting music from the college campus share network uh oh and God. so i remember that on itunes oh, yeah. right um i don't oh, know about yeah. if it was itunes specifically or not but yeah um she just i remember her bringing me a bunch of music most of which i really liked um but guster was one that definitely stood out uh, and in particular this album um for those unfamiliar guster is kind of i guess indie folk rock like but it's it's a little bit it's a little bit out there. Like they tend to use um, non-standard instruments or non-standard uses of instruments. Like I think the drummer has a bunch of songs where they play just without drumsticks. Like they use hand drums quite a lot. Um, yeah, it, so it's kind of a fascinating album. The other thing that I really enjoy about it is the harmonization between the singers um, within the different songs. Um, so yeah, I, I think more than most of my other choices, um, lyrically, this one rings truer for me and it's, it might just be the nature of the way the lyrics were sung um, or just that I've listened to it long enough for them finally to sink in through my thick skull. So, you know, I've, I've been listening to them, oh gosh, I, this I I don't know if this is the oldest album that I it, it came out in ninety ninety nine yeah, so I, I think it's your this, oldest album yeah this is I think I think this is like one of the oldest albums that I can remember that I still listen to um, yeah I I very specifically remember your sister drove me to school every day in high school after you know sophomore year and this was an album that would come up often because she's one of those people that doesn't listen to music in album form. So it was just like mix CDs or an iPod on shuffle and Guster would constantly come up and I'd be like, what is this? I've never heard this before, but after enough time I'd heard everything. And I just remember being like, this is cool. It feels unique. And like you were saying, like it didn't feel like they were following the general format of a band where you have, you know a drummer playing drums and that sort of thing and like moving forward through my music career it kind of reminded me of like Mumford and Sons in their early like iteration where it was just Mm -hmm. like okay they're doing something folky and original but really good I actually don't know this album as much as I know the what's the other album I just looked it up keep it together yeah, I that think was, that one's more popular. That was the one, and I really only know Amsterdam, which was like their like, their like song. Mm-hmm. 
but I, I feel like I need to go back to this because I feel like I'd really enjoy it. I like, I always like the vibe of Amsterdam, which is one song. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it is funny too. This also sort of reminds me, and I don't know if Dwight, if you'll share this experience, but like we had a video yearbook at our that's at our awesome. high school that had i think a song either from this album or from another guster album I, um, I, it was amsterdam i i don't remember what album it was from or anything like that but i i shot that video that that was in the video here book for it or that, at least i was oh, there for it that's why um, i know it okay. and it's amsterdam yeah yes it was amsterdam i remember that um now that you say that yes um so yeah because i worked on the video yearbook at uh, our high school so Yes, I, I don't think I realized you shot it. I, I knew that you worked on the video yearbook. I don't I, think I realized you shot that segment. Though. I don't That's know. Cool. If I I was there when it was shot. I don't remember <laughs> my ex- exact involvement in it, but I remember I might have held the camera once or twice because I remember it was like people walking through the halls and like us moving it and like it was like oh, it was one of those like one long continuous shot. Yeah, it was like a long shot. Yeah. yeah, I remember being there for part of it. So yes, I cool. do remember that. Very cool. I think I was in charge of all the music stuff in high school and in, in for the music video or for the video yearbook stuff. Not important. Guster. I think that's very important. Um, that was when I, that, uh, speaking of that, that was, you kind of segued perfectly into my story. That was how I found out about Guster. Actually. I didn't know about yeah. this band before that. And I just remember um, someone being like, oh yeah, they're this local band. And so that was the main reason why utilizing them. They're, they're from Boston. Are they really? Yeah. Sorry, um, are they really? I didn't say that into the microphone. <laughs> yeah, so it felt very, lo- it just felt local. And yep. because it was kind of folksy to me, it was like, oh, this is something unique and different. So. Yeah. Especially like when we're younger, we're, we like to stay in our own little bubble of music. So it always feels weird when you hear something outside of the box and you're just like, oh, I think I actually liked that. Do I like other genres of music? <laughs> Wow, that's a great segue into mine when we get there. I so, think we're there. Uh, well, Brian, from this uh, album, do you have a specific song that you uh, oh, would, would, point. Po- would point to to have people uh, um, check out? Yeah, let me look at the song list real quick. Uh, but there are a couple that I remember always stand out to me. I think Two Points for Honesty is the one that like I kind of look forward to when I'm listening to the album, uh, if that makes sense. Like, But I generally i enjoy most of it um i think barrel of a gun was one of the more popular ones so that might be the one that people are most familiar with um but yeah very cool so uh lost and gone forever by guster 1999 so segueing from that into whatever you were talking about as a segue (laughs) tiffany what's your number two no brian was talking about Wait, do I like other 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 genres? And Alex, sorry, I but said that. you guys were all yeah collectively talking about listening to other genres of music that yeah. aren't in your wheelhouse. Um, so we had Hanson earlier on my list, and um, I went from being fanatical about Hanson to being fanatical about the Backstreet Boys, solid and and boy bands and that entire kind of boy band thing in general with NSYNC and and even into like Spice Girls and Britney Spears and that genre of late 90s early 2000s pop and then I was a little BB freshman uh in 2001 a little BB just you know all my boy bands I was so excited and then I went to a party 
I went to a party freshman year of high school. What? And I remember it very vividly because my mom dropped me off, but she went inside to talk to like this <laughs> this person's parents to be like, oh, what is this? So I went to a high school party as a freshman. Um, you know, whatever. Um, but that this is like so crystallized in my mind. We were upstairs um in in this person's bedroom and she put on Dress to Kill by Newfound Glory. And I was like, what is that? My little freshman 14, 15 year old mind was just like, what is this? I love this. Um, and that was the first time I heard Newfound Glory. So Dress to Kill is actually off their self-titled album, um, which is not the album I'm going to talk about. But that was that was the moment that I started listening to punk pop music. So 2001. So 20 years ago <laughs> this year, which is crazy. Um, so in 2002, they released um, another album called Sticks and Stones. And that is my number two album on my list. I'm out of breath. Why am I so out of breath? Um, because you're very excited to talk about <sighs> Newfound Glory. <laughs> so excited. So Sticks and Stones uh, came out in 2002. And I remember so vividly, this is before, you know, I had a car and a job and things. My mom bought me this CD. Um, and she bought it for me. And I took it, like, you know, got it into my possession and opened it up and put it into my disc man. And I sat on my bed and I listened to this album front to back and it blew my fucking 14 15 year old mind um 2002 would have been i would have been a sophomore in high school it blew my fucking mind i have such wonderful wonderful memories associated with newfound glory and listening to newfound glory and it felt so cool to be a teenager and to be like have someone go what's your favorite band and go newfound glory and feel so fucking cool because nobody knew who that was. Um, but the people who did know, like, they were like, yeah, you're cool. And it just, I, I think of all the music that I've listened to, like, after and even continuing into my 30s. And, like, just those moments as a teenager had have colored so much of, like, my musical influence. Mm -hmm. This album is just fun. So, like, I'm pulling up the track list um while i'm like out of breath this album starts with understatement which is a fucking banger we were listening to that the, the other night and i was like drunk out of my mind just like screaming it at the top of my lungs um this uh, this album also has my friends over you which is like their closer um it's their most popular song um there's oh my god every every single song on this album i'm just like yeah 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 um and the cool thing about this, so I, I talked, my number three album was All Time Low. Um, so wrong, it's right. So All Time Low got their name from a lyric on a song on this Newfound Glory Sticks and Stones album um, called Head on Collision. And the line of the line, it's like the pre-chorus and it's like, I feel it feels like I'm at an all time low. Um, and that's how I got connected to that. So it's just this cool little thing. I said, I said this in when I talked about all time low, but it's cool that the music that I listened to growing up and the music that like made me feel awesome and cool, like was also music that inspired people that are our age and even younger to, to keep making this genre of music. And it keeps going today. And I'm going to stop for a second. Cause I'm super out of breath. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this. It's, it's ask me about new I, I can't wait <laughs> when we get to 
my number one, I'm going to have basically the same story to tell because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so that experience where you have like your musical awakening. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me, it also happened in high school. Like, mm-hmm. like I feel mm-hmm. like so many people can relate to yeah. that exact story that you're talking about. It's like you heard a specific song yep. that went, oh, my God, music is so fucking cool. <laughs> yep. And it can make me feel things and it can, like, influence me for the next 20 years, yep. you know? <laughs> yep. And that experience, like, t- the way yeah. you talked about it, I was just like, yeah, I like, I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. It's just such an important. It's an, they're an important band to me, and and I still continue. Like they just did a an, an anniversary stream for self titled, and I bought it on vinyl. We did the live stream. Um, we've seen them in concert a shit ton of times. This I don't remember if what album they were touring for, but it was at a newfound glory concert. Was the only first and only time I've ever crowd surfed. <laughs> Which I also remember super specifically. This was a time in concerts where before like smartphones and you couldn't bring cameras and stuff in. And I think they were recording a, a DVD or something. They allegedly, were I've never allegedly. found that recording. Like they, they had massive cameras there and they were like, this is going to be something that we release. And I never I have never. found it. I've looked for it. I've wow. never found it. But that was the concert that I took my camera. I had that pink digital camera and I stuck it in my underwear because I wanted to take pictures. This is again, get, again, kids. Back before smartphones, where you just had a camera in your pocket. Nowadays, or your underwear. A, a camera in your underwear. <laughs> well, they can't make you give up your phone at the door. Right. Like it was. There was a time when you couldn't go to a concert and you weren't. You like you. You could go to a concert and you weren't supposed to take pictures or video. That was like a thing. Like you were not allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. And which is crazy to me because now it's like that's what you do when you go to a concert. Everybody has their fucking phone in the air and you're like, okay, just enjoy the music. Um. But that was, I I don't even remember what song they were playing, but I specifically remember turning to you and I was like, put me up. And I fucking went up and I crowd surfed and it was amazing. And then they closed the show with my friends over you and I got to watch it from the side stage. And I was like, this is, this is my peak. This, (laughs) this is it. And little did I know I would continue to love more music, but I've never crowd surfed ever again. It's all been downhill from there. It's all Ah. downhill from here. (laughs) I get it. Which is another, that's not Catalyst. That's not off this album. I I don't know enough about Newfound Glory to know (laughs) what album it's on. I just was like, I can, I can do something. Yeah. Yeah. You made the connection. Yeah. Can I ask? So when you, when do you find yourself revisiting this album specifically like do you still go back to it and like is it in a certain mood or like at the gym or i i find myself going back to a lot of these albums and don't hate me i listen to the stuff on shuffle so this is on my shuffle um i do my radio show at work and i'm always playing some songs maybe not from this album but like um the fourth track something i call call personality which i think is my favorite song on this album like i'm playing all the time this is a, this i think is, that's the one you went up to <sighs> I, I i think it was it was your favorite and i don't know i, I don't wrong, i don't i don't remember because it would have been i'll yeah we can look irrelevant. it up on set list fm we'll find <laughs> yeah it. we can um but i find myself going back to a lot of punk pop in the summer and when the weather's nice mm-hmm. so mm. i don't listen to it as much in the winter time i just went through a whole phase where i was listening to a lot of like electro pop and kind of like almost like weird moody melancholy kind of stuff and then now that it's nice out i'm like oh let's take out all of these albums and uh, this is me taking my albums 
that are just on Spotify. But like, let's go back to all of these and just like blast these in the car. So yeah, so definitely summertime. Definitely when I'm kind of, you know, the weather's nice and I'm feeling good. Yeah, not today. Not today. Today, <laughs> today would not be a day. Is so? Do you think that when you were like younger, and probably still today, but like when you were younger, part of that mind blowing thing? Do you think it came partly because when I listened to it, there mm-hmm. were definitely a few songs that were, even though they were upbeat, yeah, uh, in tone like musical tone they were downbeat in like lyric or storytelling kind of thing do you think yeah. that contributed or is part of like the the appeal of newfound glory or was it part of the appeal when you're a kid you know i i think so because i'm thinking of like going from hansen to to backstreet boys where there's a lot of like love songs and very generic kind of like hey baby you're really you're beautiful and i want to be with you kind of stuff to like songs about you know, like breaking up and kind of getting in fights and kind of being a little bit more rebellious. And I think that I was the right age to to hear that and go, oh, maybe maybe I want to like rebel a little against my like, you know, goody goody boy band self. So I think it might have been a, like an internalized thing, but I, I for sure it was definitely some of the lyrical content um, and just music that was harder. It wasn't like, you know, mm-hmm. I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys. It was like, you have guitar riffs and you know yeah, crazy drum solos and, and yeah. It, yeah it was so different so different yeah. than anything i'd heard before cool cool um dwight i feel like you and tiffany overlap more than most of us do you have a relationship to this album too or is it mostly through tiffany no i um i definitely had this i knew about this album prior to getting together with tiffany um this was one of Newfound Glory is kind of like a stalwart of uh, old pop punk. Oh yeah, like they they are part of like that second wave. You could argue because there you could there's there's like the '90s version, uh, which is like Blink and Green Day, and you can make an argument about them like being like the sellout bands. But then Newfound Glory is one of those like I was talking about starting line. Like Newfound Glory is like their old like old guard version of pop punk at this point. Um, sorry, you, I was just looking at Wikipedia and that reminded me the the reason even that Newfound Glory kind of got a little popular and they started in the, the mid 90s mm-hmm. was because somehow Mark Hoppus heard them. I don't remember. I don't know the, the story. This is Wikipedia. But Mark Hoppus heard them and kind of raved about them a little bit in um, uh, Rolling Stone. Oh, cool. And so that's yeah. kind of what, what pushed them forward. He was impressed by their self-titled album. So it was kind of actually... Mark Hoppus did like uh, some backup bass on this album. And another fun fact, which I'm looking at this, uh, Matt Skiba and Dan Andri- and- <laughs> Andriano from Alkaline Trio did backup vocals on a song <laughs> on this album. from That's awesome. Yeah, from Forget My Name. So I'm like, this is so weird. I don't think I knew that. So yeah, they, um, you're exactly right. They were they were part of that kind of second wave, but earlier, way earlier than starting line. Cause these guys are like, they're in like their late forties or mid forties. Yeah. They're like much older. Yes. Um, I really like the, this album in general, like this isn't my favorite newfound glory. I think that's uh, actually catalyst from 2004. Um, but newfound glory is definitely one of those bands that like, after I started getting into the genre, they were mainstays in my rotation and they had, um, a couple the thing that i really liked about them is they had a couple of eps or well, one ep at this point called um, from your screen to your stereo yes. and so they had they were cover songs of um, movie themes 
um, specifically like uh, like the Goonies are good enough. <laughs> Alex's favorite. Um, I forget what the other ones were. That Sounds thing like you do, awesome Never Ending Story, uh, Gloria Love, uh, Everything I Do, <laughs> My Heart Will Go On. Like it was so much fun. And so then this album, uh, it was one of the ones that I, I I'm pretty sure I downloaded this off Kazaa or something like that. Like yeah. it's it's so good. Did you call it Kazaa? I've always called it Kaza. I always called it Kazaa. Yeah, we it, in. A Z double A. Yeah, in our school it was Kaza. And and also, I want to retroactively say that they are in their early forties. So the okay. the oldest member is forty three. Yeah, I w- so they're older. When when Tiffany was talking about like wanting to throw this album in her Walkman or disc <laughs> Discman, sorry, not Walkman, Discman, yeah, disc and man. like listen to it on repeat, I was I was like, man, we've come such a long way be- from that point in time <laughs> where we were buying cds mm-hmm. to put in discman to listen to and then it was if you wanted to discover new music you had to go to Kazaa or like napster or bear share and be like limewire Lime yeah limewire and you'd have to download something that could be the song <laughs> you're looking for question mark could just be porno but now we have spotify it at our fingertips and somebody mentions a band to you and you yeah. go yeah i can okay i'm gonna listen to that right now and it's just so it's so much easier yeah. so back let then, me listen to these three minutes of ads first or whatever. yeah well yeah but like back then it was somebody mentioned something to you and you just go okay i either need to get my hands on this somehow or borrow it from you or something like that as opposed to now where it's just now we're getting people emailing us in about an album and we're like oh yeah add it to our spotify playlist like we'll listen to it it's it's crazy where we've come from. I love it. So much fun. It also, it's something connected to that era that I frequently marvel at is like the whole idea of mix, like mixed albums, I feel like uh, turned into playlists and stuff. But like that's yeah. the evolution of that, especially like, as a result of file sharing Mm -hmm. is fascinating to me because like i know it came from cassette and radio play and recording and that kind of stuff but i feel like it it by by the technology and and as with most things it exploded with downloading stuff and like burning your friends cds and like whatever and just organizing files on your parents computer (laughs) uh you know that kind of thing i have so many burned cds I'm thinking of that I still have and also I was a kid who also recorded stuff off the radio on tape cassettes I remember making Mm -hmm. mixtapes for like my family members for Christmas (laughs) like (laughs) I I I know like music is super important to me and I think about all of that and I go wow I've been really paying attention to music in some way since I was like yeah 10 it's like I, I remember you know for a short period of my life I don't know if you guys had one of these I had a mini disc player, so I had no. I had mi- I mixes on my mini disc. What? I don't even know what that is. You don't know what a mini disc player no. is? Oh my god! I know what they are, but I never had one. Oh. I remember the first time somebody showed me 
it wasn't an iPod, but it was an MP3 player. Yep. And they were like, look at this. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Like, it plays music. And I was like, no way. And they're like, no moving parts. You can do this. And they shook it. Yep. And there was no skipping. Yeah. And it blew, <laughs> it, it blew my fucking and, mind. And you were like, how much can that hold? And they were like, three albums. <laughs> and you were like, like, yeah. no like way. Or like 12 songs. <laughs> no <laughs> way. That can hold three whole albums? It was insane. It my, was so funny. My, like, I think is late as like even into freshman year of college i was using my disc man to put mixed cds on to like run to like at mm-hmm. field hockey practice i remember bringing that and running with that yeah i i remember Ooh. walking around with um they weren't jenkos but they were like the the pockets with like our cargo pants with like the pockets and putting my discman in that and hoping like that it would not skip as you were walking around yep. with yeah. it and Holy um shit. and freshman year of college is when it was when i bought my my computer that i got a free ipod nano shuffle probably a sh- I, I it was shuffle. mini maybe it's called ipod mini mini was the one that was like this it was big like kind of a big. little rectangle yeah. yeah a little rectangle with like the rounded edges yeah. but not the top yeah i got an ipod mini um and that was my first like i felt so fucking so, cool well okay so i want a, a question for everyone we've kind of gotten a it's little fine. off it's fine. the rails but what was your first mp3 player and what year was it uh my oh no i had one i forget what it was it was this tiny little like stick thing um and it would have been the year before i went so freshman year of our senior year of high school okay mine was some it, not a stick thing but it was like a weird uh kind of like a stick thing i remember the screen being orange and it was probably 2004 2004 yeah okay Mine, mine was 2005, and I just remember it was made by Rio, which was yeah, the name of a company, yeah. and it had this really awkward shape. It was like, it was a square that had like a big round hump off the side of it. <laughs> it almost looked like a gun to a certain degree, and it had like a little, um, what did you call the 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 button it's on like a, a little joystick a, nub or whatever yeah it was like yeah. a nub it was like a nub that was on um laptop keyboards what were those called um like mouse nubs or though the one that was right in the middle of yeah the i have one right here and i'm touching yeah, it keyboard, as I speak. Nipples or keyboard nipples or <laughs> i've always called it keyboard nipples i've always called them nipples but it's got to have an actual name for it i don't know but mine definitely was like one of these like weird sand disc oh. like things like this mine was mine fun. was gray like a sand disc oh no thing mine's like this. close to that the the, yeah, the screen looks this, similar to that uh, sand disc this yeah this is i think the first one i had did not have like a true like lcd screen it was like a uh almost like a digital clock type screen where it spelled out the letters with yeah, the close. with like, the um yeah what are they called I don't know the the eight like symbols that go along with digital clocks and stuff. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, it was some version of a Rio or a Sandisk or, or something like yeah. that. Very like, quickly like after that, the first one that I bought for myself this, going this into college. Like, what the fuck is um, that? <laughs> going into college, I bought a, a CF card reader for my Game Boy Advance SP that you could play music off of through headphones. Um, and That's so that awesome. was an early experience for me. And then following that would have been a Zune. Oh, see, yeah, I definitely didn't have a Zune. My, my second <laughs> one, I was so, and it, I guess it speaks to my thought process through my entire life. I was so anti-Apple that I refused to get an iPod as long mm-hmm. as humanly possible. So after the Rio, I got a 
creative zen which oh, yeah. i fucking loved <laughs> yeah creative uh, did some good stuff for sure tiffany do you remember what year we saw newfound glory that you um was it before or after we saw them at fitchburg because i found the fitchburg set list uh, it um, would have been, and it was a House of Gl- House of Blues. Was it? Four. Could it have been April thirtieth, two thousand nine? That's could be because they played Head on Collision, Too Good to Be, Intro, and My Friends Over You were the end of their encore, and Better Off Dead. I feel like it was my, maybe it was Head on Collision. I don't think they, I would have crowd surfed it. They played twenty four songs at, at that show. <laughs> Jesus, it, I don't, I don't know if we went to that show. That sounds familiar. I don't, it was at House of Blues, which is definitely where we saw them. It was definitely House of Blues, but I feel like it was earlier than that. It, we were still in college. We hadn't graduated yet. This would have been in April 2009. So It was it was earlier than that. Okay. I'm going to continue to look. Okay, thank you. So, <laughs> Tiffany, yeah. to wrap this up, do you have a favorite song? I know you mentioned your favorite yeah. song, but do you have a favorite lyric or something that uh, a song that you would recommend to people to listen to off the album? I, I think if you've never listened to New Found Glory, I think starting with My Friends Over You is, is pretty solid because it kind of gives you a, an idea of what they're about. Um, and is pretty friendly um i do love something i call personality it's just like it's just like a good it feels like a good fuck you song like and the story so far is a really really sweet kind of love song it's a slower different song so i think that's kind of a good swath of of things this whole album is good I love this album. <laughs> Solid. So that is Sticks and Stones by Newfound Glory. 2002. 2002. Nicely done. I was taking over hosting so you could look for set lists. That's okay. I was doing well. I'll, I'm going to do it while you okay. talk so we can take over. So shifting over to my number three. Number two. Number two. Mm, yeah, number two. Um, <laughs> mine, I might, fine. I'll, go, I'll oh, just wait, jump ahead. Does somebody have two. to do the... No, we already because we already did that because we were all doing our number twos. Oh right, we're all taking our poops right now. Yeah, okay, taking a nice big deuce all over music. Speaking of speaking of, it's Dookie by. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just I I can talk about Dookie. We can shift into Green Day. That's fine. I could easily talk about Dookie (laughs) for Um, hours. My number two is Untitled or Self-Titled, depending on who you ask. I believe it's technically called Untitled though. By Blink-182, 2005. This album, I remember waiting for this album. Like, I was so excited for when this thing came out because I had been, I think I had already talked about it a little bit earlier where Blink-182 was like the first band that I really latched onto in this genre that I love. And I got really into Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. I got really into the live album. I got really into Enema. And then like, I even went through some of like their older catalog like Cheshire Cat and Dude Ranch and like I was all in on Blink-182 like they were they were my favorite band um and then from there I, I branched out into the other um bands like I was saying Starting Line, Newfound Glory, uh Yellow Card I was like really getting into like the whole genre and then Blink-182 like the biggest name in fucking pop punk was releasing their new album and I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that this is Blink-182's, like, Abbey Road, or this is, like, the definitive Blink-182 album. Like, this is the Blink-182 album. It also represented, like, a large departure from their standard sound. Um, 
maybe not Abbey Road, but I'm trying to like, it's their pet sounds. It's their, it's their, mm-hmm. their big album. Um, and it was also, yeah, pet sounds, I think is a better, better description because it's like a departure from kind of like their, their older sound is a lot heavier, a lot darker, a lot more mature in the lyrics. Um, mostly gone where the, the poop and fart and, uh, fucking pirates in the ass and having sex with dogs jokes like those those were gone and in replace is you know robert smith from the cure doing a track and yeah. talking about um spacemen getting lost in outer space and slowly going insane and talking about you know halloween on christmas and you know nightmare before christmas and and melancholy and sadness and it got really 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 mature and really emo and like i followed some of the the recording of this album like they did a lot of they rented a house in california and they live streamed some of it and i remember watching some of that and it was really really cool and um i just remember like as like the demos were coming out for the songs like specifically action um it wasn't called it was called action at first feeling this was originally called action um, and it's all about fucking and it's phenomenal. And that's part of the reason why when they, they changed the name to feeling this, they added a part at the beginning of the song, which is uh, a little uh, audio going, get ready, ready for, for action. action, which I'm pretty sure is from the Avengers game. Um, oh, you might be right. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, it's phenomenal. Uh, this whole song album is just, it's just dark and like musically they're like the best they've ever been i think and then lyrically they are at the top of their game with just like their descriptions and their metaphors and the it's just such a good album and this is the album that like i will occasionally just put on and just i just go back to it like i don't know once every other month it's just like i just listen to the whole thing the top to bottom it is so good and it is probably the best album on my list i think um but it's not my favorite but it's so fucking good it blew my mind it was amazing i've only seen like one in concert once and i really really regret that they're too big they're too big to go see in concert and it really sucks because like the shows are great but then you'd spend four <laughs> hours in a parking lot trying to leave later and it's just oh, it's not, not an understatement blake 182 untitled check it out i I was so excited to listen to this album when you when I saw it on your list because I've always been a huge fan of Blink-182, but I've only listened to Taking Off Your Pants and Jacket and earlier oh. and and then after Taking Off Your Pants and Jacket Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, I didn't listen to anything up until California. You missed so, like a whoa. big So, so I I missed like a huge jump in in their like I I'd heard their singles. I heard a bunch of the singles off mm-hmm. of off of untitled but i didn't i hadn't listened to the whole album so i I, like you said earlier like i was familiar with dude ranch and enema of the state and take off your pants and jacket but this was i I was looking at the track list and i'm like i know that song i know that song this is gonna be so fucking good and i put it on and it blew my mind it felt like you know the guys grew up and they were like okay we're done with all of our potty humor let's make an album let's make a statement and it's so fucking good i this is of all the albums that you two collectively dwight and tiffany have now exposed me to this is the one i'm going to revisit the most often this album actually was part of that. I was talking earlier about um, 
when Carissa burned me a bunch of CDs. And I'm I'm pretty sure it was Carissa. Uh, this was one of them too in that round with like the starting line or not starting line, um, something corporate north. This was another one of those albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had never listened to Blink-182 prior to this album. So when I started dating you and I was like, you, you know, you were like, oh, Blink-182 is my favorite band. I was like, I know the songs that are on TRL. I know, I know work sucks, I know, but I didn't <laughs> know um, them. So this was like my first real exposure to Blink-182. So like in my mind, they've always sounded like this. So it's really interesting to hear like, um, or to go back and see how they've evolved or to hear you, you guys talk about like, oh, well, I know all the old stuff and I didn't know the old stuff. I don't love the old stuff. I like, this is like, yeah. this is my type of music, like a hundred percent. Like I could go back to this album anytime i i feel like the old stuff hasn't aged quite as well because (laughs) we all grew up but in terms of i I definitely have nostalgia specifically for take off your pants and jacket like i revisit that album constantly but i also listen to it and hear a fair amount of misogyny a fair amount Mm -hmm. of sexism and i'm just like okay this hasn't aged well but in the moment this was so good for a 13 year old or however old i was when i was listening to it and i'm just like holy shit i love that album and i still revisit it but it's problematic it's it's super interesting like because my relationship to blink is basically just that i knew about them uh and didn't really listen to them like i was i was very skeptical coming into this album um and out of most of the albums i think this one pleasantly surprised me the most because i was like sort of expecting what you're talking about this like you know rough around the edges like high school humor kind of album and this definitely changed my mind a little bit like it it was like surprising to hear the amount of variety on the thing um and the amount of different spaces that they try to explore on this um i really enjoyed it for sure yeah, this album is really like layered and like dense. Like it a lot of the songs have a lot of moving parts in them, which is kind of a departure from their earlier stuff, which is that they are a three-piece band and this is still mostly a three-piece band, but because they took their time in in the recording process, like I was saying they rented a house and then it even went kind of beyond that. Um you can hear them experimenting and and doing stuff. Like there's a scene uh, a scene. There's a, a part in feeling this where Tom sounds kind of far away and so like what they did for that was they put the microphone on the other end of the Mm -hmm. living room and then he screamed across the living room to get it it's like they used so many different like techniques and different like variations and ways to get these songs done the way that they did and I want to make a correction Uh, I was wrong this came out in 2003 yeah I I was gonna say that but you saw the moment you said the year I started looking at my phone because I was looking at my list and I was like I thought I I thought I had 2003 for this. No, you're definitely right. I, it was my mistake because I think I was confusing this with the release date of American Idiot, okay. which I think is 2005. I couldn't um, tell you. So I was. what I wanted to say was, um, as somebody who has listened to Take Off Your Pants and Jacket a fuck ton, have, having listened to this, you can definitely hear them starting to transition their like themes mm-hmm. on that album because there are some really serious tracks on take off your pants yeah. and jacket and you can see like 
those songs they they probably all went to each other and they were like we should make an album of these songs so to speak to that kind of um so in between take off your pants and jacket and untitled um tom delong released an album called boxcar racer um which was which is very good um and boxcar racer this is a direct response to boxcar racer because tom was experimenting with a heavier sound on that one Mm -hmm. and a little bit more like lyrically dense type stuff and then they he they moved into this, which is an evolution of that. However, Boxcar Racer is also what caused Blink-182 to break up, right? Um, which is sad. So you but said an album called Boxcar Racer? By the it band was, it, Boxcar Racer. It was a side project. Wasn't Travis part of that too? Yes, he was. He yeah. was the drummer in okay. that. Travis is the part of everything because he's so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's insane. <laughs> I remember Boxcar Racer more than most of the Blink-182 stuff because I remember Dwight sharing me with me like you know us growing up i think he shared a bunch of their either songs or albums or mix cds or whatever but this one was the one or boxcar racer was the one that i listened to the most because i think it was the closest to like alt rock stuff that i was listening mm-hmm. to at the time um yeah it's that's really fascinating yeah boxcar racer is cool and also american indie came out in 2004 i just don't know anything um, i mean we all knew that but i'm glad you're finally coming to that realization sure uh but blink 22 <laughs> is yeah, this is just a fantastic album um if i was to pick a song off of hold, it hold on let me ask okay yeah. <clears throat> do you have a favorite song or lyric that speaks to you i don't <laughs> <laughs> no if, 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 if i was <laughs> if, if i was to pick one um uh, it would probably i think their best song is i miss you like i just uh, i think that's easily their best one i think my favorite is down um i really like down same uh, yeah down down is easily one of my favorites down and, and i miss you too uh my the thing that is amazing about i miss you and if you're in general if you listen to blink 182 pre-california the lyric or the the vocal styles of mark and tom are so drastically mm-hmm. different like they should not work together and they fucking do it's so good and i miss you is i think the best song because of that because it's the two of them singing back and forth and like you have like that really like deep like mark hop is just like oh and tom's nasally high-pitched like whining it's the, so good the spiders yeah there's a lot of spiders too spiders yeah um catching follow-up question based on the album art do you think that this album is harley quinn's favorite album Yes, I think this album uh, inspired Harley Quinn to do a thousand million things. And um, what a question! Probably wow. it. You're you're definitely right. Wow. Um, if you do like this this album, I would also recommend Neighborhoods. Um, it's uh, it was so after Blink One Eight Two broke up, they finally got back together in like 2009, and then in 2011 they released Neighborhoods, and um, it is basically not a sequel album, but it is very similar in tone to this album uh it takes a little bit of their side projects and kind of mixes them together uh but that one i think is the most tonally similar to untitled uh california and nine are a different beast still very good but it's definitely a different era of blink 182 um so i i recommend or my second favorite album uh blink 182 self-titled 2003 yeah so alex if you had to pick your second favorite album of all time uh same question same question um it would obviously be blink 182 untitled cool i convinced you nice self-titled i convinced him 
Well, right. uh, we, we used over. untitled and self-titled like yeah. interchangeably Inter- they, they, so. because that they are it is interchangeable. Yeah. Like there's no official. Yeah. So my number two album is 2006, The Eraser by Tom York, which I am currently wearing a T-shirt for. Whoa! It hurts my eyes. Yeah. So does my face, but I just don't look at your face. Wow, hurtful. So. Um, this album for me was the first time in my like teenager slash adult life where I was anticipating an album, not because I was looking forward to like hearing the bangers and like putting it on loud and playing video games, that sort of thing. I was looking forward to an album because I knew it was going to be a musical experience. I knew it was going to have emotion in it because earlier I have so much trouble disconnecting this memory from what I'm going to talk about with my number one. So I'm sorry if I dip in, but earlier in my high school career, I, I discovered a band called Radiohead and I like, immediately latched on to them i wanted to consume everything associated with them and i found out that their lead singer tom york was working on a solo project and his solo project ended up being this album called the eraser and basically what he did was he formed what what is commonly referred to as a super group um so in music history, there have been tons of these have, that have been put together where a bunch of band members from other bands get together and form what is called a super group. So the band that Tom put together is called Adams for Peace, which ended up releasing albums that they ended up making albums together. But they he put the band together for this album. So it's Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. The drummer from R.E.M., I can't remember his name, a guy named Nigel Goodrich, who was a producer on a bunch of Radiohead's albums before that, and he came in to actually play for this album, and then Tom was there as the lead singer slash guitarist, and this album is just, it is a bit of a gut punch. A lot of the songs are very emotionally impactful and um so socially impactful i feel like there's a better way to say that but like one of the songs on the album is called hair down hill and it's it was written directly after some guy that worked for the british government was found dead and everyone was pretty sure he was murdered by the british government because he was trying to be a whistleblower and it's it's all about that like it's literally him being like fuck you british government you're a bunch of pieces of shit and it's like uh, a lot of the songs on the album are really well well put together they i don't even know how to talk about it without just being like i for me hearing it i was just like man this is everything i expected it to be it lived up to my expectations and also made me realize that getting excited for music was such a great experience 
even though I wasn't sharing it with anyone. Because usually a lot of my getting excited for things is about like playing off other people. Like I'll, I'll talk to Brian and I'll be like, oh man, this game coming up, we're going to play it. Right. And yeah, yeah, this is going to be awesome. But with music, it's kind of hit or miss. You either find somebody that likes the same music or you don't, you still like what you like. So I got so excited for this and it came out. I went to, I went to Best Buy and I bought it in person. And I think, I think Bonnie drove me cause I didn't have a car at the time. Because I didn't get my license until I was 18. Fun fact. And I went and I bought it. And then I went home and I put it in my disc man. And I like listened to it nonstop. And it's just, it's great. Cool. I don't know what to say. I did not listen to this album, unfortunately. Um, So like, is, is it super similar to Radiohead? Or is it different enough that you would classify it as like its own beast? I think it definitely feels very similarly to where Radiohead was at the time that this album came out because I think it it jives very well with the previous album that they released, which I will talk about later, um, which was called Hail to the Thief. And that that is, they very much draw from similar places and themes and tone. So... Yes, I think it does sound very similar to Radiohead, but in terms of musicality, you can hear the different styles from the musicians that that are playing. That they're different musicians, so that they're playing things differently, and you can hear some differences there. There are heavier bass lines in this. They they rely a little more heavily because Flea is an amazing bassist. And so there are more driving bass lines, more featured bass lines and things like that, which I appreciated, especially as somebody who played bass in high school. So yes. Sweet. <laughs> I was Go just I was just looking at at his discography and I didn't because I didn't see the Suspiria remake, but he did all the music for yeah, Suspiria, the he did. Suspiria remake. He did the the score for it. That's very cool. Yeah, That's was, very fucking cool. It was the best thing about the movie. Yeah, I'm not upset that I didn't see it. I've heard good things. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> it's fine. That's all I know. That's that's my con- contribution. Because I don't... This is not my style of music. Absolutely. This is definitely not my genre. So it's like... I, it's cool to understand why you like it, but I... I don't understand it. <laughs> I can understand um, that. Yeah. It it is like super super moody music. Um mm-hmm. listening to mm-hmm. it uh it's interesting cuz like it's the type of music that like I there have been times in my life where I have been in the mood to listen to something like this. Um and like Radiohead for that matter. Um but right now isn't really one of those times. Uh so listening to it now it sort of felt uh out of sync to to like my current mood but i can totally see the appeal because it is sort of the the type of thing that it feels like you could sink into a little bit like Mm -hmm. and it's the type of album that i could see myself sort of putting on repeat if it did suit my mood because it's so rare that music does uh when you're in those types of moods so that that's kind of my experience with listening back to it here yeah does that ring true for you at all? <laughs> I mean, I 
I can put it on literally any time oh, okay. and listen to it, <laughs> but I think that speaks more to my general mood than than anything. Yes, general mood. I yeah, I I think it speaks to more to where I generally am in, in uh, my mental state, but. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> is, is, is that a, is that a, is that a good thing? I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but it it also it, not even like it it has become like a comfort thing for me listening to something that I grew up on and always identified with as a teenager. So even if I am in a great mood, I can put this album on and it still makes me happy even though it's depressing as fuck so i don't know what that says it it is interesting because like there's totally albums that i considered for like that probably made my short list that i didn't end up putting on here because i would really only listen to them in particular like mindsets i guess yeah um so i don't find them the same type of thing where I can visit at any any time, mm-hmm. but they are in the same vein where like if you're just in the mood to like kind of I don't know there's like this Zenish quality to the type of music it's like droning and sort of like not in a bad way but it's like it it's leveling it's sort of like it evens out your mind if it's too active almost right um, it has a really unique quality that way yeah nice <laughs> i was gonna ask because i didn't listen to it so this might be might not make sense but do you think you feel happy when you listen to it because it like validates like what you're feeling like hey this is like a real thing because i know like i have that like experience. i'm not alone I'm... kind of because like i know i've when i listen to songs or albums that like line up with what i'm feeling like it validates it and i go yeah i'm in a shitty mood but like Somebody else was also in a shitty mood and wrote the song about it. I'm like, okay, I feel better about that. I mean, that is definitely how I felt in the moment. Yeah. Definitely. Because I was, you know, a moody, hormonal teenage boy. And so I was listening to this album and I was just like, oh, like Tom York is a moody dude that writes really depressing shit. So I'm I'm into this. Like it's it's why so many people go through like a Morrissey phase when they're in high school, I think. Not I'm not saying you guys. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying a lot of people go through a Morrissey phase in high school because and college because it, it's just kind of it's the right time. Mm-hmm. And I it spoke to me on that level. And so like Every time I listen to things that I, I was super into in high school, I kind of go back to that feeling of acceptance. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Like where I am seeing somebody else that that feels things that I feel. Empathy? Sure. <laughs> I can't think of the word. But yeah, I know it's a sense of connection. Yeah. Connection. Connection might be the best word. It's uh, now I feel bad that I didn't listen to all of these albums because I have not, I want to be able to contribute to your no, conversation. I don't I don't think I think the thing about especially my taste in music is that it is rather depressing <laughs> is the best way to put it. I would say you know. I would say three out of the five albums that I put on here are straight up depressing music. Yeah, 
I would say I would say three out of my five albums. <laughs> I, like I had to think through. I was just like, yeah, three. I and I don't think that's for everyone. I no. I definitely think that Discovery and R- Rubber Soul any are easily accessible. Anybody can listen to them. Anybody can appreciate them. The rest of my music is definitely you need to be in a specific mood or you need to have experienced it mm-hmm. at, a, at mm-hmm. a proper time in your life to really appreciate it and w- really want to listen to it again. So kind of that like makes me the... wonder. Go for it, Tiffany. No, I was going to make a joke and say kind of like the Goonies. Yeah, kind of like the Goonies. Um, It does make me wonder, like, so as you've gone back to this album, you said you still enjoy it. Is part of your enjoyment just that you have spent time learning more about its construction and the effort that took like and now you're listening to components as well as the whole thing like you're you're able to pull it apart yeah I, i think i think when i was in high school the first thing i was listening to was just like the general tone of it and mostly the lyrics but as i've grown up I keep revisiting it because I keep hearing new things. Mm. So, you know, the, the same thing that I think everybody mm-hmm. experiences that with an album. Like when Brian was talking about Demon Days, it was like, oh, Oh Green World stood out to me this time. And I have the same experience when I listen to this album where it's not even just like specific tracks stand out to me each time. It's specific parts of the album stand out to me. Like the percussion part will stand out to me on one listen through because it's just so uniquely different from what I'm used to listening to with Radiohead or a certain keyboard um, like line will stand out to me. So I feel like revisiting it frequently has, has kind of exposed me to all of the intricacies of it. And it has made me more interested in like deep diving into the album and looking into like, you know, the story behind Hair Down Hill, which is the song I talked about at the beginning, or like why Tom decided to make a solo album instead of just making this an album with the band, which there's interesting stories behind all of it. So, yeah. I'm sure you'll have more to say when we get to your number one as well. I will. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, do you have a question? No. Are you done? There's my question. I, I don't have anything else to add. Can Alex, I... Alex, is there a specific oh, song thank you. or thank lyric you. that that resonates with you? I thank, forgot about that. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, <laughs> Tiffany. You're welcome. Dwight had one fucking job. <laughs> He's, like... <laughs> He's looking at me like, no, I wish I had a question, but I don't. Same question. <laughs> <laughs> so if I had to pick a favorite song off of the album, it's probably black swan it's one of the more upbeat songs on the album it's got a like a a driving beat to it it's rather depressing when you listen to the lyrics because it's just about how fucked up the world is and that kind of thing but i remember the first time i heard it because it was released as a single beforehand and it was in the credits for a Scanner Darkly, which was a movie I loved in high school, which we can talk about definitely at another point in time. If we ever get to like a top five favorite books, we could definitely get to that. But I remember hearing it in the credits to that and just being like, oh my God, Tom York is in this movie. That's so cool. And in the same year, 
analyze another track off of this was in the credits for the prestige and i was just like man tom york's so good so i would say black swan's my favorite song analyze is probably a close second very cool so number two for alex uh tom york uh album the eraser the eraser 2006 So my pick for my favorite album is Xfinity by George Watsky. And Bonnie's pick is Fabio After Dark by Fabio. Hey, no refunds. I just wanted to stop by and say that my favorite album of all time is Maddie On's Good Faith. It's an album that resonates with me like no other album has before. The music is just tight. The album is well put together. And it never not puts me in a good mood. Hi guys, Peter here to share an album I have listened to. That is Heartworms by The Shins, released March 10th, 2017. I'm a fan of The Shins in general, and I find every track on Heartworms is really solid and enjoyable to listen to. Apparently The Shins thought so too, because the following January they released an album called The Worm's Heart, consisting of reinterpreted versions of each track from Heartworms. I highly recommend checking out both albums and comparing the two. Anyway, I'd like to wish all of you a very happy 75th episode. What an amazing accomplishment. Keep up the great work, guys. Very much looking forward to more episodes of No Refunds. Bye for now. So one of the other pieces that we got was from Julie. Uh, She sent in three uh, individual songs. Um, I assume they are from uh, Greater Albums, obviously. Um, Two of them are Your Mama Don't Dance uh, by Longins and Messina. And uh, Longins and Messina um, changes live. Oh, she she writes here, uh, Motherload album. But honestly, anything by Longins and Messina. Solid. So there's that. And then she also uh, had another one, uh, the Tapestry album by Carol King. Uh, which apparently has You've Got a Friend on it. Yep. So those are Julie's favorite albums. So uh, listen, I uh, I understand that you're looking for uh, people's favorite albums. And uh, I got to say, Lionel Richie's Can't Slow Down got me through some tough times. I mean, you just listen to all the songs and you can't help think, who hurt you? I can't help but listen to that audio <laughs> clip and think, who hurt you? Who hurt you, Jesse? Before we get into our number ones, what I think it would be nice to do is, uh, we didn't ask anyone to prepare this, but if you have any sort of honorable mentions, things that didn't, that almost made your top five, or albums that you like to listen to a whole bunch, uh, does anyone have anything that they would like to, you know, briefly touch on before we plow ahead to uh, the home stretch absolutely Why are you looking at me does, does anybody want to go first i could go because okay. i just i was gonna say no i don't and then i literally was like wait um first of all anything from all time low anything from their entire discography like the uh, one that was on your list uh so the one on my list was so wrong it's right but uh don't panic uh specifically the extended don't panic it's longer now is really fucking good um the other albums that were close um, were the Atari's So Long Astoria slash um, 
Blue Skies, Broken Hearts, Next 12 Exits by the Ataris, which is, again, more early punk pop type stuff. So those those would kind of be the two. I And maybe Starting Line Direction, I think, would be on there. I just want to piggyback off Tiffany really quickly because um, one of my really close ones was either Ataris, um, the So Long Astoria, or end is forever um we both had different early albums of theirs that we liked um i would also like to so this one i I didn't pick it because i give me like a year and i think this will be on my my list but currently um modern baseball uh sports um sports by modern baseball uh is an album that i discovered within the last like three months and i have like fallen head over heels for it Mm -hmm. but i want to give it a little bit of time to like ruminate in my in my brain uh it is Alex, you might like it. It's fucking depressing. Make yourself want to kill yourself music. I love um, that music. But at the same time, it is very pop punky. It's, it's it's a little more punk. It's very unpolished. Um, but I have been in love with that album currently. Um, so that's... Super Bloom by Mr. Wives also. And I feel like I couldn't put that on there because it's so recent. But I still am fucking listening to that like daily. Uh, Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card mm-hmm. um, is, is another close one for me. I, I think that... We'll maybe talk about this briefly, um, but I think that a lot of the albums that I listened to in high school were, and that's mostly where I drew from for from for this list is like that era. Like I, I probably have the narrowest list of years, I would imagine, uh, or Tiffany does. I think it's Tiffany. I had ninety seven. Yeah, you you do have ninety seven. Oh, but to two thousand seven, so that's ten years. Yeah. yeah, yours is ten years. Oh no, Dwight's is only eight years. I was saying mine's You're definitely right. the narrowest. Yeah. Oh, um, and also, sorry, I go ahead. Yeah, mine's the narrowest, but at the same time, Ludo, which was two thousand ten, was also like a eh maybe. Mm-hmm. So the the other ones I'm listing are like two thousand two, two thousand three. So it's like yeah. that really that like that window where like I was really into music, and I just haven't. Mm-hmm. I, anything beyond that i feel like i wouldn't say is like a favorite or anything that i like find myself revisiting or love i just, i guess it's i don't have the memories attached to it as i do for the other stuff um but yeah so those are the off the top of my head those are my other honorable mentions follow up boy um take this to your grave and then from under the cork tree also sorry i have like so many albums that i'm like yeah and this would make it and this would make it and this would make it brian do you have any um so like i said a lot of mine are kind of in broad categories but yeah i I would name a few so one there's two categories that i think are not represented in my top five um one is sort of chiptunes music or chiptunes rock so like anamanaguchi jumps out Mm -hmm. um, as an example of that fento what is it called fento mink uh phantom mink um is another one of those the other one that's not really represented is much harder rock and or metal um is not represented here but i do listen to a fair amount of it so um individual songs kind of jumped out at me from that but i didn't really pick an album uh lateralis by tool was a big one that i heavily considered putting on here but ended up not um the other one would be like perfect circle uh is a tool side project that uh i really enjoyed um yeah yeah i for me i put together a big playlist so i could listen to all my albums to try and narrow down what i was going to end up picking as my top five so i have a big list that's like um science by incubus um relationship of command by at the drive-in Moving Pictures by Rush. I already talked about Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John. Um, Freewheel and Bob Dylan by Bob Dylan. 
I, I had a lot of songs on here and I kind of, my goal was to try and hit on all the different genres that I like. And then kind of just pick the five albums that jumped out to me as the ones that were definitely my favorites. And I, I still like two days ago, I said to Brian, like, I think I want to change one of my albums. And I was like, but th- this one, I still am glad I didn't change it because it doesn't feel like an album to me is really my problem because it was the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack. Mm. And I feel like a soundtrack, uh, I think we'll get into this, but I feel like a soundtrack is, it's so uniquely, especially when I'm talking about something that is, it's a 26 episode series. The songs don't necessarily flow into each other. They don't, they don't necessarily match a common theme they are about matching what's on the screen and so even though all the songs are amazing and i fucking love that soundtrack and i listen to it constantly it made my short list but i didn't feel comfortable putting it in my top five so yeah those are all my honorable mentions <laughs> dwight's making instagram posts yeah, right now it for the being very rude so now very that cool. now that i've shit on soundtracks uh brian what's your number one brian number one <laughs> um yeah so number one again is sort of representative of a a group of music for me um in this case it is the journey soundtrack to the game journey that came out in 2012 i think 2012 um so it's a composed uh soundtrack with no lyrics um but at the same time it is uh it's a story told through movements in the music from front to back. So if for anyone familiar with like dramatic writing or write, film writing or, or book writing, um, there's something called the hero's journey and very popular with George Lucas uh, originally. Uh, what's his name? Campbell. Um, Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Thank you. Um, so it comes from that and the, the game was designed to feel like and follow the hero's journey to a T basically like taking it almost too literally. Um, and then as a result of that, the iterative process of making the music and listening to, uh, the composer, Austin Wintory talk about the wintry when yeah, wintry listening to him talk about it. Um, he talks about his personal journey, creating the music and iterating on it and sort of like going through some of the same dramatic moments um and there's a reason that the hero's journey sort of feels true to people who read it and experience it it's it's designed to be very relatable um but also it you know it sort of mirrors real life in some ways uh, in the experience of learning so there's a lot to this album and like when I listened to it in my life and how I experienced it initially that all add up to kind of it being something that I have continuously revisited um, and something that I think with video game music in general that I want to represent it on my list is that it is also very personal like mm-hmm. like there's if you play the game journey compared to listening to the album your experience will be different um they even go so far as to like individually cue different p- 
parts of the music to player interactions, um, which is hard to represent in just talking about it and and by listening to even the whole album. Um, but there's something unique to that experience that I really am fascinated by and enjoy. Um, and so in general, video game music has been a big part of um, kind of my life, both remixes of game music and uh, soundtracks themselves. So, I think one thing that you talked about or mildly touched on uh, that I wanted to bring up when we talked about this is like there are different sects of video game music for me. There are the bangers that I remember from my childhood that stuck with me, not necessarily because of the experience that they gave me, but because I liked the game and the music kind of came with it. And then there's video games where the music is un, um, the, like the, it's so connected to the experience of playing the game that the two cannot be thought of separately for me. Uh, and journey is one of those things where I think 50% of the game is the is the soundtrack and how it influences the gameplay and that is one of the things that i remember very strongly about playing journey is just how impactful the score was and how it synced up it was in terms of the theming and how you evolve as a player as you go through this experience which is only like a four hour experience or something so I that is what I'll always remember about the journey score it's just when I think about the game I think about the score when I think about the score I think about the game like those two things do not become disjointed for me yeah I I hope that that's true for pretty much everybody who plays it because if it's not I'm not sure like they really experience the game as it's intended right yeah I I think I had the same experience with Celeste like that is another game that I think of the score with the game like those two things come hand in hand yeah for sure yeah and that I would name I guess talking about honorable mentions there's a ton of games that like jump out to me as ones that I would revisit the soundtrack often but I it's it would be an exhaustive list I'm sure but uh, talking about live music like I, I think I said earlier live music is not particularly appealing to me but if i do get the chance to listen to game soundtracks performed by an orchestra i would go out of my way to do that um so that is something that like i am looking forward to with a few different uh you know a few different games why is everyone looking at me yeah (laughs) i want you to talk about when you saw zelda well yeah but that's not journey the zelda symphonic yeah but it's it's the experience yeah i know like that that's yeah so um similar to what you're talking about brian we have seen um the zelda music played live i know we've talked about on the podcast before um but it was like it, it hearing those moments uh done live like you can hear the emotion in the music um you can just like feel it coming through and i would assume they would do something similar um, as to what we saw where they have like a projector or like a big screen that's kind of playing images from the game as well so you are getting that like audio visual like synchronicity um that which is really cool it's it's uh i i would highly recommend going to see uh orchestras play uh play the live music live it's it's phenomenal um, um i have played journey but it was, was 
close to a decade ago, maybe a little longer. Came in 2012. <laughs> I probably played it the next year, and um, I unfortunately I remember the emotions while playing it. Like I don't have like a strong connection to like the soundtrack or anything like that, but I remember the feel. I, I remember like three or four core feelings from that game as I was going through it, and it's highly possible that it's because of the the music specifically. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like it. So I just don't remember much of it. I need to replay it is what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, I, it's my dream. It's sort of my dream to rent a movie theater someday um, and play through Journey either with or without people watching, but just like in a huge like audio file setup with like a huge screen. Like I would love to do that. And it is only like a two to three hour game. It's like shorter than a Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Uh, well, according to Alex, Lord of the Rings is one big movie, so <laughs> lots of things are shorter than a Lord of the Rings. I I think I played Journey for like 10 minutes because um, I don't do games. And I don't didn't listen to this music, but as a person who doesn't play games and who adores video game music, I feel like I need to listen to this because I really, I, I think it comes from that being interested in film and film scores and that type of stuff. I think I could get behind um a video game soundtrack because I, I i like video game music we should play it on stream and and you can watch me yeah i'd love that i i there's just something so i feel like a lot of people don't pay attention to music in games where, where for me that's the thing that i remember the most like i've never played a zelda game and i can i can pick out songs and go, oh that's from this so yeah, they, I, they are really recognizable and they're they're really important th- this it's, might well, I was going to say, I think that's even true of movies. Like, I think yep, there are yep. movie soundtracks that, like, people, if they heard them, they would instantly yeah. be like, oh, I know that. And it would take them to, like, the emotional place they had when they saw the the movie they were at. Um, I, I'm even talking about not even having any idea of what the game is about and having that same feeling. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, like, even when you've, you've been playing Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. the songs you've well, played for me, and I was like, ooh, this is a beautiful song. And I have no connection to the game, but I the music resonates with me. For well, Final some Fantasy is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of like I would argue maybe some modern games. A lot of the music is feels kind of disposable, mm-hmm. um, in the sense of like you're fighting wave after wave of endless enemies as they come down a hall, and you're <laughs> you know looking through your uh, quick no scoping them or whatever, and like so it's like just this like repetitive like driving stuff, which which is there's a place for that in every music, um, but like. It, it feels like I said disposable as opposed to a game like Journey where like it's specifically crafted around a poignant like to be poignant and whatnot. And so that's kind of why Final Fantasy works because it has these moments where like things slow down and the music like is like there to specifically hammer home some emotions or what you're what you're seeing. Um, yeah, like I can't remember. I've, I've played through a couple of the Call of Duties and a couple of the Gears of Wars and I couldn't tell you any of the music from those games but like yeah. I, I could i could point it, to you like you know i, I think Final part Fantasy. of the whole point is that like it's very personal because i'm sure there are people who played those games who like going back to them they would have a, an emotional reaction to yeah, them sure. like i think of some of the best soundtracks like even animal crossing like thinking about yes. animal crossing there are definitely times when i've mm-hmm. put on like you know the 3 a.m soundtrack and just yep. been like Hell yeah! I do that. All, I do that at work all the time. <laughs> I I know people who are obsessed and like love the Halo soundtrack. I was gonna say, and I, I think oh, of yeah. those as fine soundtracks. But I never played Halo. I I listen to them and they sound kind of 
like gen mildly generic you know action game music to me halo does stand out to me though like i can i can specifically remember like do 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 it, it feels like really yeah. light and fluffy and fun in yep. a good way like as you're fucking murdering Correct. yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. as but i like i said i don't remember like the hard rock right like all the doom doom music oh the doom music is so good it, it really is <laughs> um anyway we could talk about game music forever i'm sure and i don't want to harp on it maybe it's its own episode but uh yeah it's um it's definitely something that i think people could and should pay more attention to and it's why i wanted to put journey um on this list uh the other big reason i feel like journey is a good place to get into this if you are curious at all is because journey um was i think the second grammy winning uh music from a video game what was the um, first so the first Mario. one was baba yetu um from civilization four huh that's so freaking cool yeah which i would also wow. recommend to anybody <laughs> so yeah cool now I want to know whose list of five won the most Grammys. Oh, not mine. Not mine. <laughs> yours. It was probably. It's, it's gonna be yours. Alex. I would assume it's Alex or Brian. When did uh, the Grammys start? If if it's mine, it would be 50s? one Grammy. I think. <laughs> I don't... The Grammys are fake anyway. The Grammys are the worst. They give out like three thousand awards. Yeah, yeah but uh, M- MTV Music Awards now. Ooh, um, yeah, that's probably blank. Who, who won the most MTV Music Awards? <laughs> we can do this. We can do this later. No, we we do this now. No. So Brian, if there is a specific track from this um this uh game, or actually, I want to know your favorite lyric. Yeah, I was gonna make that joke too. <laughs> uh, my favorite lyrics are in the only song that has lyrics, which is "I was born for this." Um, no, but I was born for this actually has kind of a fascinating lyrical story. That's a big tangent. Um, uh, basically their lyrics, because the, the whole thing with the monomyth is that it crosses cultures, monomyth being the other name for hero's journey. Um, it crosses cultures. So they wrote that song with, uh, lyrics in, I don't remember how many languages, but it's like eight or something. It's like eight different languages and fans who played the game, recorded it listened back to it and translated it before the official translation actually got released because people connected to it so heavily so if i was going to recommend like single songs which i really wouldn't with this album um i was born for this and apotheosis kind of go together i would listen to those together and then atonement is one of the ones that i have revisited the most um so very cool so uh journey by journey uh, the... uh, no, don't Austin stop Win- believing. Austin Wintery. Uh, it's the Journey game. 2012. Yes. Perfect. Tiffany, what is your okay. number one? Do I cry while I talk about this? I think I'll be okay. I think you, I'll be okay. I'm you'll gonna, survive. I'm in a good headspace. Um, so, my this is so interesting to me because between Dwight and I, we have almost every version of Blink-182 and a Blink-182 side project mm-hmm. on this list. Um, so my number... Well, how do I want to do this? Do I want to do a story to lead in? Yeah. Um, so, Bury that lead. Bury that lead way the fuck down. <laughs> so my freshman year of college was like the shittiest time of my life. Uh, my parents got divorced. Uh, Dwight and I were kind of having a lot of shit because you know that happens when you're fucking 19 years old Um, and in different schools and in different schools and it just 
there was a lot of change and transition and it just it it was fucking awful it, it was terrible i don't even remember exactly how i found this album or whatever and i know it was from you dwight but i just i don't remember the the chain of events that led up to it but i just know that this album like really really got me through a lot of shit <laughs> spencer is making me laugh i love this um that cat is so damn loud. <laughs> <laughs> so um freshman year of college was a really really shitty time um and i don't remember the chain of events exactly leading up to me discovering this album other than like blink 182 breaking up and the side project coming out um but 2006 is we don't need to whisper um by angels and airwaves is my number one album uh angels and airwaves is the tom delong side project um because i'd always really liked tom his voice he was just weird and again me with voices um his voice was always super i didn't even talk about Jordan's voice in Newfound Glory, also being super unique. Anyway, um, so I've always liked Tom's voice. I'd always liked his kind of style and his vibe. Um, so this was his side project. And it was very, it was very different than Blink-182. It was very different than Punk Pop. It's very, like, weird and ethereal and spacey and experimental. And, again, I've never heard anything like that before. And it just super resonated with me lyrically musically whatever i was happening at in that time period in my life it just i connected with it so fucking hard i remember um oh my god do i that i for, it was before the album came out and we went to see them live and one one there was that kid out in <laughs> out in the line because we used to dwight and i used to go to shows early we used to go to shows wait in line and we were walking up to the line, and this kid was just yelling out, everyone, everyone will listen, even if it hurts sometimes. And he was just screaming. The The album hadn't even come out yet. This kid was just screaming the lyrics, and these two older guys walked by and were like, we're too old for this shit. And now Dwight and I are those old people. Um, they had to have been like 23, and we <laughs> yeah. were like 19, and now we're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're too old for yeah. this shit. Um, but that show, I remember us like singing – because the, the, we had like four or five songs. That no, I, we had all of them. The entire the album, album. The entire leak. album. The whole had album leaked. leaked. Yes, and and so. Yeah. Okay. To, to be ethical about it, the album hadn't come out yet, but we were going to the, see the concert, so we wanted to know the songs. So yeah. We, so we downloaded them all. Uh, yeah. But then we bought the album as soon as it came out. I'm I'm just like piecing together these memories, but I remember it had leaked, and we we were singing along to one of the songs, and I I just remember Tom DeLonge being like, "You little thieves." <laughs> the, the the moment was there's an extended outro on one of the songs with like repeated lyrics yes. over and over again and he stopped singing it and everyone in the concert was calling back and he was just like you thieves yeah. because there was a theory that he was the one who leaked, leaked the it. album mm-hmm. so that way people would know the songs yeah. for the yeah um and then also that was the concert where he said i've had sex before twice um but this <laughs> joking aside like this album legitimately legitimately i i still go back to sometimes and it just is is so comforting and so i i think this is kind of what alex was speaking to earlier being like this was i listened to this album in a very very shitty dark depressing time in my life and it resonated with me and now this album makes me so happy even though i was really really not in a good headspace when i first heard it and i i yeah so i think i kind of understand what you're talking about now more thinking about my connection to this album yeah um it's it's really interesting because it's like weird 
World War Two. Can you move your phone? Oh, sorry. I hear the static. Um, it's like weird World War Two, like theming, but also space. And I, I don't even really know how to describe it. There's a a song like about the Blink One Eighty Two breakup. It's just there's just a lot of heavy, heavy themes being dealt with. Um, and I just, I just love it so much. I think it's just, it's an album that I could listen to start to finish. And I can't say that about too many albums. I don't even know what else to say about it. I thought I would have more to say about it, but it's hard to describe how I feel about it. Now, th- this album was a very important album at a very important time. And everything about it from the structure of the album to like Tiffany was saying, like the lyrical mm-hmm, content mm-hmm. to even specifically the live shows that we went to mm-hmm. go see. Like, I think all of that is what built this up in both of our minds as just like an amazing experience. Um, it was all, like a shared collective thing that we had. And it was also in college when we had a bunch of friends who were also into this music. Like, I remember like just getting excited for this, like as like a collective group, like in, in like sharing that with you and like all of us kind of bonding over it um see i don't remember that at all mm -hmm. i don't remember that at all about this album and this music i think because i wasn't with you at college yet because i was still at emerson yeah and for me the the listening to this experience experience because we were kind of and like all the stuff going on in my personal life this was such a solo introspective experience and that, that i felt like i didn't share with anyone but you so I that was not my experience with this at all. Mm. So that's interesting that that you you had a very different yeah. experience with it than me. I I, re- I remember seeing it live and like that also kind of colored some of the context for some of the songs mm-hmm. because um Tom was talking about like how, what he was thinking when he wrote yeah. them or and the one I specifically remember is the last song because this was post Blink-182 breakup and I don't remember what the name of the song is. Start the Machine. Start the Machine and it's the one that starts off with the little kind of piano. The toy piano. A toy piano which he recorded in the bathroom he said (laughs) um, which is very cool and the the final lyrics are um, if love is a word that you say say it and I will listen and and prior to that it just felt like you know a relationship song but then when he, he specifically colored it in the context of the Blink-182 breakup when we were like listening to it. And so like it made it seem like he, even though like there was this ugly time with him and his friends, this was something that like, if love is there, Mm -hmm. we will still reconnect over time. And then obviously they did. So it was one of those moments that was like, I don't know, it was just really cool seeing a different flavor of the song in that, in that aspect. And a lot of them in that way. Yeah. It's such a good, and we saw them like three times live. Like we just love twice. We definitely saw them twice. Yeah, I think after I Empire came out, I think we saw Maybe that was it, but still, we saw them a couple times, and it was so good. I don't... Yeah. I'm just trying to think of, like, how else to describe this. I feel like you just need to listen to it. Like, the first yeah. the first song is, like, it opens with, like, five minutes of just instrumentals. Um, <laughs> and then, like, each song, like, they feel so different, but they feel so connected. Sorry, I'm laughing because Spencer's on the door, at the door. They're they're also different, but they're also, it's a story. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I again, I thought I had more to say about this, but I guess I don't. This is my favorite so, album ever. Period. Hard so, stop. So I, as as I talked about when we talked about mm-hmm. plus forty four for mm-hmm. for Dwight's, I, 
I didn't have a lot of experience with Blink-182's side projects, other yeah. than Boxcar Racer, which I, that was one album that <laughs> yeah. I got the moment it came out, because I was obsessed with Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, and I listened to that, and I was like, this is the greatest thing ever, but I never listened to Plus 44 or Angels and Airwaves, and I, mm-hmm. I came in to both of your lists looking forward to those specifically, mm-hmm. because I knew they were side projects, and this one, it, it had definitely some influences that I, I could hear from you know, their Blink-182 work. But the thing that really um, I found interesting was that it had more of a through line Mm -hmm. than most of Mm -hmm. their other work. Even now that I've heard Plus 44 and even I've heard Boxer Eraser, this felt like more of a concept album. I I don't think it would be technically called a concept album, but it's kind of like a soft concept album to me. And it, it flowed in such a way that like I talked about with discovery, like you can never listen to this kind of thing on shuffle. You, you got to listen to it. Track one all the way through. And it, it's really, really good. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. I didn't expect necessarily to like it as much because I've heard so many people be like, if you like blink 22, you'll like all these things, but none of them are as good as blink 22. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, okay, well, I, I guess I'm not going to like Plus 44 or mm-hmm. Angels and Airwaves as much as Blink. And I don't necessarily disagree with that statement, but I think that these are both really good. Like, Angels and Airwaves yeah. is really good. Yeah. This, <laughs> I'm just looking at this track list, like Valkyrie Missile. Um, you're gonna, I know, my favorite songs or favorite lyrics or whatever. Literally everything in this song, this album lyrically is fucking great. Um, the song Distraction would be definitely a top song for me. Um, and The Adventure. The Adventure, I think, is my... That would be my favorite song. Um, yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what else... I'm, I feel so stupid now that I'm like, this is this is your favorite album and that's all you have to say about it? Well, that's it. I feel like you said well, a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah, and, and part of it is like, it's hard to put into words because like, whatever makes it your favorite favorite is also so much experiential like it doesn't have to do with like i don't know it doesn't have to do with like what specific things Mm -hmm. on the album you would recommend other people so you know it's personal um i think for me like listening to this uh it felt familiar um and i wondered like if this was just an album did this come out like in when we were in high school and then you only picked it up in college or you listened Okay, it came right out yep. okay. it came out like right after our freshman year of of high school of college, college okay. 2006 yep yeah so i don't know if i listened to this at the time was there a previous angels and airwaves mm, album nope, or anything this was the first one okay yeah this uh, came out but, no, may 23rd definitely... 2006 like yeah. we were out of out of college out of, for the year out of the yeah. Fr- yeah out of freshman year yeah yeah um out of all the like albums in even close to or tangential to the pop punk mm-hmm. genre um this one felt the most familiar and comfortable yeah. to me and mm-hmm. i don't know if that's a quality of music or just like the type of music i listen to lined up with yeah. this yeah. album more closely um but yeah it felt i don't know it felt like uh being at home or something mm-hmm. like it had this like mm-hmm uh whatever comforting quality that sort of draws you in um that i really enjoyed i think that's why it just connected so much and again lyrically and and, um musically it's definitely i would definitely not describe this as punk pop even though it's an Mm -hmm. angels and airwaves is you know tom is 
part of Blink-182 or was part of Blink-182. This is definitely not pop punk. This it, is- it has a little of that seasoning only because of where the sing- singers yes. are coming from, yes. but it's not. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not. And and I think that's this is why I'm st- so connected to it because it felt comfy. It felt like it came out just at the right time and the lyrics for whatever reason, like, like everything lined up and I just related so much to it. I think having having it be a lot influenced by Tom leaving blank and me kind of going through shitty stuff like it there were parallels there mm-hmm. and this album could have come out you know 2 years earlier or you know later and it wouldn't I wouldn't have connected it as much I probably would not be talking about this as if it were if it were my favorite album if it came out at a different time in my life which is so interesting to think about it really it really is yeah, this is my number one album. <laughs> it's a good, good choice. And I didn't cry. I think you did a great job of not crying. Because sometimes this album makes me cry, still to this day. Nothing makes I me cry. <laughs> it's inter- I wonder how how true that is for all of our number ones. Because mm-hmm. like the Journey soundtrack, for sure. Yeah. Like almost yeah. every time I listen to it, I'll find yeah. myself crying. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna go ahead and say my number one has never made me cry. Same. But my number really? my number three definitely has. My number five okay. has. I cried while talking about my number five. <laughs> yeah, oh, and no. that's why I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. I was like, oh, fuck. Dwight's going to get emotional talking about a song lyric. How the fuck am I going to talk about the whole Angels and Airwaves album without fucking bawling my eyes out? So I did it. Yay, go me. Growth. <laughs> Bro- growth and progress. Gro- growth. <sighs> cool. Is it my turn? Um. Yeah. All um, right. Wait, did we Wait, say you know, that was nope. Tiffany's number two, which is Angels and no, Airwaves? No, my number one. Number one, oh, Angels and Airwaves. You fucked it up. Start over. That was Tiffany's number three, <laughs> Angels and Airwaves. That was Tiffany's zero. He's going to keep on demoting. Uh, that was Tiffany's number one, Angels and Airwaves. We don't need to whisper. We don't need to whisper 2006. Yes. From the year 2000. Maybe late 10, maybe early 2011, through 2015. Tiffany and I saw one band in concert (laughs) over and over and over again. I shit you not, we did not go to any other shows. We saw the band say anything. Max Bemis play... Like we, it was at least five times. Like we saw like in a row. Like we didn't go see any other bands. Um... And there's a reason for that. Uh, Say Anything, upon discovering this band, they quickly rose to being one of, if not my favorite bands of all time. Uh, I I absolutely adore everything about this band, from the musicality to the lyrics to the variety, Um, specifically also just the 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 main person max bemis the the man who who runs the band it's basically his band um it is amazing and my number one album is 2003's is a real boy 2004 is is a real boy you could argue 2005 because that is when they reissued it with the bonus disc was a real boy um and I would even go so far as to say the re-reissue with the vinyl bonus track, A Walk Through Hell, because that, that song has to be included on there. Mm-hmm. I was being a little bit about it when I put this album on here. Okay, so 
say anything. Like I said, this when I first heard this album, Tiffany, I believe, is the one who introduced me to them. Carissa was the one that introduced me to them. And I heard and it from cool. Tiffany. <laughs> I um, love that. Wait, did you ever date Carissa? No, never. For like, <laughs> for like, uh, ooh. Oh, my, my thing got... Oh my jiggled. You guys must have jiggled. Oh, oh, you must have unplugged it. Oh, we jiggled stuff. Yeah. Oh, we're jiggling stuff here. Uh, Sorry. It looks like it's, it's fine, fine now. Yeah, yeah, it's good now. Oh, okay. We jiggled some stuff. Because I didn't hear anything. So, good thing. It was the world being like, don't talk about it. Now I feel like we should have invited Carissa on to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm realizing how much music I got from her also, which is mm-hmm. so interesting to me. I, th- I think we'll talk about music influences uh, in our lives like a, i like i'm surprised it hasn't come up more it's dwight and that's about it. but yeah, it's, I think it's Tiffany, just Tiffany. like you guys influenced each other a lot yes but Car- carissa clearly influenced you for for you, me it was that guy from from freshman year of of high school and then um my friend jane in high school like it was the like she was the one who we kind of like built each other up yep. in that in that aspect that's really all i would have to say about that yeah it's, it's just carissa and dwight for you yeah, <laughs> and then after that, it was Tiffany for me. Like, yeah. it, like once once we started dating, it was you know we we stacked on stacked on stacked each other. <laughs> stacked so, on. Oh, stacks on stacks on stacks yeah. on stacks. Yes. Yeah. So is a uh, is a real boy was a real boy. Call it what you will. Um, it I fucking love this album. I, when I first heard it, um, I remember it was the summer. Like it was, I want to say it was like two thousand nine. It was like the summer of two thousand nine. Um. It was definitely in the summer that I found it because I was listening to it in my car constantly and I was listening to it at my job constantly where I worked as a lifeguard at the at the town beach. And I would just sit there just with my, my headphones on and just like repeat over and over and over again. And I absolutely fell in love with the it was the storytelling and it was like the density of the lyrics. And then like once you figure out like what each song was actually about, it made, gave so much more... Um, like depth and there's personality to them. Like the one that really stands out is a song called alive with the glory of love, which mm-hmm. is written from the perspective of Max Bemis's grandparents who were in concentration camps. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's like them singing about like being in world war two and like hiding from the Nazis while fucking under the floorboards, totally in love. And like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. this complete, dissonance of like i don't know like like the tones don't necessarily match because it's a very uplifting and poppy song about like the worst period in human history um and it's fucking amazing and i love it but but it's a song about love persevering through all of that which is really interesting and really beautiful it's absolutely beautiful and then like uh there are times where like so max bemis um was during the writing of this album, he went through like a severe mental breakdown yeah. to the point where I think there's this story that floats around about how he, he had like a bowl of soup and he was just like in some, I want to say he was like in a mall cafeteria and he just like poured the bowl of soup spoon, spoonful by spoonful onto the floor, just like over and over again. Like he was like in a shitty spot when he wrote this. And like some of it really comes through like yellow cat slash red cat is like such a weird, fun song, but he's like singing about like, just sitting on the couch and being trapped inside his own mind and like what the world means and it's nothing but it's everything at the same time and like wanting more out of your life than what you think it is worth and like but knowing that you're not worth what you're giving to life to even deserve what's coming back to you fucking amazing and then i love like the meta songs in terms of like uh like every man has a molly 
where he's singing to his audience about like the things that I've sung to you are so fucked up that they are affecting my personal life. So you better appreciate what I'm doing to you or giving to you. So go buy my merch, please, because I'm singing to you about horrible sex I've had with this girl and it has now ended our relationship. Um, And like, there's all these stories and then uh, admit it, uh, which is the uh, original closer for uh, is a real boy is just this, like anti-anthem about like hipster culture and cons- arguably like consumerism and like how people proceed or process or understand um, what is popular or like and like feeling like you are more popular or cooler than other people because you like certain things. But like you're maybe these people who do that don't actually have like the life experience. So they're like looking down on people from like their ivory towers without having actually experienced life and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then there's like these beautiful little love songs. Like, uh, I want to know your plans, which is just like this really sweet little, um, I don't know, little love song. And uh, a walk through hell is like this. It's, it's beautiful, but like brutal, but like angry, but like sweet at the same time. And it's just, I, I absolutely adore it. Um, I'm also a very big fan of where is it? Uh, the Writhing South, which is like another like story descriptor song that like you can hear in the music the story as it's being told. Like it's this person who's like fucking strung out on drugs, and then like they go on this bender. But then like as the music is changing, you can hear what the characters are going through, and it's fucking so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's the oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Um, to preemptively cut off what my favorite song is, Sorry. it is easily Woe. Um, Woe changed what music could be for me because up until now, I was really listening to, um, like I said, mostly pop punk. So it was you, every song had a very clear and concise structure for the most part, like outside of like Green Day's fucking ballad rock opera of, of American Idiot, um, you had like, it would be chorus, verse, mm-hmm. or verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Maybe there's a bridge in there. Woe is just song. Like it just like builds on itself and conti- it's like just continually goes through and it's just like one long massive verse um, that's so cool and I fucking love it and like you can just like feel the emotion coming through. It's so great. Um I love this the song. There are some songs that kind of lose me on it, but everything else that like makes me like fucking just stand up and pump my fists uh, is so great. I fucking love it. Alex, I know you hated it. Tear it apart, please. No. I didn't say I hated it. <laughs> that is how I feel about it's, it. It's a honestly, it's a super. I feel like it's a, an acquired taste. Like you had to heard it at the right time at the right place to be like, oh okay. Because I mean, I think even me hearing it for the first time, I was like. All right, and then go re- revisiting it. I was like, "Oh, okay, I get this now." My my thing about it, not to be down on what you just gushed about. You just gushed for five minutes. Um, my thing, I didn't identify with it musically, but the lyrics is is what really sat with me. So I I appreciated it from an, a lyrical standpoint, but the music just didn't. I think it was the the duality of it, the the fact that I didn't feel like the lyrics matched with the music, and I was just like, okay, I I really like these lyrics. Sorry, that was me accidentally pressing a song. It was like I really like these lyrics. I just want 
I, I honestly wanted the music to be more depressing. Like I wanted it to match up a little better with what I was, I was drawing from the lyrics, but I liked what I was hearing in terms of theming and stuff. I really thought you would like it. And that's why when you were like, oh, I didn't like most of your stuff, Dwight, I was kind of not taken aback, but I, I thought you would enjoy this specifically from the lyrical standpoint I did. in terms of like what they were singing about because it's a little existential, a little bit like depressing, a little yeah. dreadful. So that's me. It, I know it that's is. me. Exactly. I can't believe you didn't talk about, wow, I can get sexual too. Oh yeah. Sorry. And- <laughs> Which is fine. And then my favorite song on this album is either Whoa or like, I love Chia Like I Shall Grow. I think that's my fucking favorite song on this album. Wow, I Can Get Sexual Too um, is one of those weird songs that is just like a driving like beat the entire time with this like weird ringing telephone in the background. And when Tiffany and I worked at our college pool, <laughs> um, every time we would have a staff meeting, that was the song <laughs> that the entire staff would blare over the speakers yeah. and just scream it. Because it goes... And because the, the, the first lyric... If I die and go to hell real soon... Dude, dude. It will appear to me as this room... And we would all just like point to the <laughs> ceiling and fucking scream it, so... Yeah. You're welcome. I sang on, on the podcast. Beautiful. So good. And then the song after that is called Little Girls, and it's about killing little girls. <laughs> but not really. That's a, It's a metaphor. And, and the song, song after that's that called... It's a metaphor, fool. So guess what? It's a metaphor. <laughs> fool. Yes. <laughs> it's, this is, Say Anything is a is a band that, well, Say Anything really is just Max Bemis. Let's, let's be real. Kind of like the Ataris is just Chris Rowe and Panic at the Disco is just Brandon Urie. Say Anything is just Max Bemis. Absolutely. As far as I'm concerned. Um, this was kind of the first time that I had heard a song like you talked about, Dwight, where there is no structure, and I think that's what put me off at first, and I got confused. And I was like, I don't, I don't get this. And it's so, there's still nothing quite like Say Anything, and it's really, really hard to describe. And if you like it, you like it, and if you don't, you don't. There's no, like, I would never have anybody to listen to this album. I would never tell, I would never recommend this to anybody, because I feel like it's not super easily digestible, but I love it. So I don't know. <laughs> this is the only album I recommend to people. Like this is, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but I can't. I can't. I just feel like it's and and it's a really interesting thing that you brought up, Dwight. You're like, oh, I thought this would be the one that like Alex would like, or like I thought. It's I just folly. I hate talking about the music that I like because I, I it's so personal and it's so like here and close to my heart, and I I want to keep it there. And I I this is like a thing that I I get unintentionally gatekeepy about. Where when people are like, oh, I like this band, and I'm like, no, I like this. This this is my music because yeah. it's so I resonate so much with music, and music is so personal to me. If someone says their favorite movie is also Beauty and the Beast, I'm like, cool, that sounds great. But with music, I go, mm, no, you don't. You don't listen mm-hmm. to that the same way that I listen to yeah. that. And I it I I don't mean to do it, but I'm like I I almost don't want to share it with people. Ooh. Like if that makes sense. And I don't want to talk about it because it's, I don't want anyone to look at me and go, oh, your favorite album is fucking Angels and Airwaves. Who the, what the fuck is that? And I, and I don't want that. I don't want anybody to know now that everyone's going to know, but I don't, (laughs) I don't care to share that because I don't need to justify it or validate it. Or like, I don't want anyone to like judge me for it. I I don't know. So it's interesting. 
I wonder if that comes from a place of like two different people will enjoy the same album for very different yeah. reasons mm-hmm. or have like completely different experiences mm-hmm. like you know so even if you find somebody else who loves the album you know yeah. as much as their favorite album or whatever it just doesn't like line up mm-hmm. in conversation mm-hmm. because it is such a personal like thing so it's hard to make the connection i also think it's way easier to articulate why you like a movie or a tv show because you can talk about oh i really love the directing or i really love the lighting or i really love the shot composition and the acting and music for me is not a a person who's not a musician um i don't know what i'm listening to i don't know what the song structures are and the the terminology so like i don't know how to explain it i just know what i feel when i listen to it Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. being able to go oh, you like this movie and you like the the shot composition? Wow, that's really cool. Like, tell me, you know, what your favorite shot is and I, I will understand that and I can see how, object, like, objectively see how that could be interesting. And when someone's like, why do you like this song? I go, I don't know, it makes me feel good <laughs> and I can't explain <laughs> why. And and I think that's also, I just don't have the language to talk about it and I think it's so much more personal than than movies yeah. and TV shows. I wonder if uh, if a way to fix that would be to like, or not fix, but like the way to, to express yourself around music would be to study it more. And it does, like, I've always been on the verge of like wanting to study, you know, music mm-hmm. theory and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, just because when I do try to explain to people why I enjoy songs, sometimes it's like, well, I can't explain this to you, like, because I'm not smart enough. I actually, <laughs> actually, that would be a really, in- I would love to take a class on music theory. That actually would be really interesting to me. I think maybe to better articulate why. And I, I still feel like I would not want to share my music. And, you know, other than with Dwight, which is such a weird thing to me because I got a lot of my music from other people and I share all my music with Dwight. I think just because we're so connected and like that's what our relationship was built on was music. So like I, you are a person that I can be like, oh, I heard this song. It's great. And you'll never go, well, that song's stupid. I don't, that's dumb. You know, it's like we're our our tastes are so much in line that it it doesn't feel weird. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry, I hijacked this conversation. This please, is the only please. time. This is the only episode that you will hear me talk for more than five minutes at a time because I fucking love music so much. <laughs> yes. Hijacked. Um. So do I? Are there particular like? moods that you have to be in to revisit this or will you listen to this to get in a certain mood or like i will listen to this into this to to sing loudly that is the music (laughs) that is the mood i want to be when i sing this when i listen to this album it is every song top of my lungs by like the fifth song and i'm hurting like that is this album to me like it It is is funny i wrote in my notes when i was listening to it um this feels like the type of song that would make for a good road trip album um if you knew the lyrics or if you knew the songs really well um do you find that that lines up like i see tiffany nodding 100 percent. when like i said when between the the years of like 2011 to 2015 this was the only band that we saw live and when we would be like just like driving in the car somewhere like inevitably this album would get put on at some point and it would like from (laughs) one to one to 12 or however many songs there are like 18 43 yeah this whole thing we would the entire album until we got to our destination we would just be singing it so yeah that is exactly exactly what you said Um, something else i kind of like noted to myself was that it also has sort of a uh I don't, at times uh, an almost Broadway-ish or like performative like 
musical quality and, and i mean like actual like stage musical quality to it um do you find that like true or is that something that appeals to you in music in general or i can see that especially um you said something very similar about ludo in terms of like what I, when uh, we yeah. were talking about yeah. this so I, I think that that might be something that i'm like subconsciously drawn to it, which is just a possibility um i don't know if i would say this is necessarily it's definitely like I don't want to say bombastic, but like there are describing like specific scenarios and it, it is kind of like loud and, and over the top and, and mostly upbeat. So yeah, I, I could definitely see what you were saying yeah. there. Um, I, I do want to know, you, oh, would you go to a stage musical of say anything if there was, yes. One? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, <laughs> yes. That's not even a question. Yeah. That's a terrible question. Yeah. Right. Um, to, to be fair, um, I did kind of eventually fall off of say anything after, um, they had an album called anarchy, my dear, which I enjoyed. But then everything after that I listened to like once, but it never really stuck with me and I need to go back and, and re-listen to them. Um, specifically Hebrews and then Oliver appropriate, um, they're fine. Um, another album of theirs, like this, it was it was neck and neck between this one and their self-titled album. Um, I think no, wait, no, is it self-titled? Say anything? I think it's their self-titled. In no, it's not in defense of the genre. What came out after that one? Another self-titled album, which apparently is what I like. Um, that one I almost put on here because I listened to that. Um, it came out while Tiffany and I were in Los Angeles for our internships, mm. and so I listened to it every single day. And a lot of the songs were just after Max Bemis had um, gotten married. And so they are very lovey and they're very like specific and pinpointy. Right. Um, and so I associate that with Tiffany a lot. Right, like, because you love her. I do. I do. I love parts of her. And my um, butt and, the butt and, and my her boobies. boobs. Um, <laughs> we're married. But no, it, it's definitely like like those songs. I think that that might be a more accessible album for people, but this one is just the one that like I can scream all the way through. So. Um, I guess that... that brings up a question so was do you know if this band is local to like east coast west coast boston are, are i want to say they're based out of texas oh, that's, that's where okay. they live now um the the band is basically over um they, they no longer are making music and this was also similar to what tiffany was saying about like um panic of the disco and stuff like that uh and the ataris eventually all the other band members kind of left and it was just Max doing everything on the albums. And that's kind of when I lost some of it, um, some of my interest. Uh, but yeah, I want to say, I don't know where they're technically based out of. Hold on. This will tell me um, their origin was, it uh, was LA. So hmm. um, I do want to say the coolest show that Tiffany and I have ever been to was say anything and motion city soundtrack um, and saves the day and saves the day. Um, so Say Anything had like a side project with the lead singer or Max Humans had a side project with the lead singer of Saves the Day called Two Tongues. Um, and so they played some of those songs. Um, so that it was like it was like a triple concert type of thing. And then you had like this additional stuff in the lead singer of Motion City soundtrack. His voice was gone. Like he had lost his voice for that show. I think we've talked about this before. He was sick. Yeah. He was sick. Yeah. And so a bunch of guest vocalists came out and Max Bemis came out. Um, Kenny Vasoli from the starting line was there playing bass for say anything at that point in the concert so it like i was so excited to see him on stage and then he was singing he sung some songs as well it was a lot of fun it was really 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 cool best show i've ever been to so say anything 2004 was a real boy number one number one dwight number one alex take me home country roads 
My number one album is obviously John Denver. Because you know me, I'm obsessed with John Denver. <laughs> um, I won't bury the lead because I feel like I've already mentioned it. Uh, my number one album is Hail to the Thief by Radiohead from 2003. Uh, this album... So, I we kind of talked about it when we talked about Tiffany's number two Newfound Glory album. Like, her musical awakening is kind of what I called it. And I had that experience between eighth grade and freshman year of high school. In that summer, um, my brother and I were playing this video game called City of Heroes. Like, for eight hours a day, ten hours a day, every day, all summer. And it was the summer between me going to high school and him going to college because he's four years older than me. So we would we had our computers back to back in our room. We would sit there, play video games. We had a speaker system. We would plug in one of our MP3 players, put on music full blast and just go. And this summer, it was my brother would put on Radiohead and he he had downloaded all these albums off of Kazaa or whatever. And he would put just the artist on shuffle. And I'd, I'd listen to it and I'd be like, what is this? And he'd be like, oh, it's Radiohead. And I'd be like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. And we basically only listened to Radiohead the whole summer. Like when I listen to Radiohead at this point, I have flashbacks to playing City of Heroes. Like I can close my eyes and I can picture that game. So those two things are like heavily ingrained together in my memory. But I remember as I was listening to it, like all the songs were on shuffle. So I didn't have any idea about what their albums were like, but I kept picking out songs and being like, I really like this song. I really like this song. I really like this song. And it turned out they were all off the same album. And so eventually I was like, Nick, I need to, my brother's name is Nick for anybody that doesn't know. I was like, Nick, I need to have these albums so I can listen to them in my own uh, in my own time when you're gone because he he was about to move to philadelphia to go to college so he gave me all the albums and i started listening to them and one thing that i think really attracted me to a band like uh radiohead and uh, i found that it is a common theme with a lot of the bands that i've liked through through the years is that they have a very specific sound that they like but they like to try different genres. They they like to progress through it. Like I I like to talk about Incubus as another band that I I really liked growing up. And they started out as a psychedelic rock band, and then they went to like indie rock, and then they went to jazz rock. They had an album Science, which is my favorite album of theirs, is kind of like jazz infused with rock, and it's so good. And that was one of the things that really attracted me to Radiohead because. Their first album is just like a straight up alt rock album. And then their second album kind of moves into more generic rock what is what I would call it. And then they went into their electro rock phase and then they got into an indie rock phase. And so that they, they definitely still had their, their own sound, but they were exploring different genres. And the album that really stuck with me was hail to the thief because it kind of, really lent itself to the genre of music that I find myself most enamored with as I went forward in life. 
which is kind of like an indie rock sort of sound. And so this album is, it's called Hail to the Thief. It's very much about politics and it, it was kind of a direct response to the Bush administration and how they handled things like 9-11 and the Iraq war. And it, it's very politically charged, but um, Tom York had just had a child as he was writing this album. So he wanted the themes to be displayed in a easily accessible way. So there are lots of references to um, fairy tales and folklore. It, it's kind of like trying to dumb things down or to um, add a like fantasy element to what they're talking about. And it's so well done lyrically and the music is is great to me. I I can totally understand why people don't like to listen to somber and depressing tones, which is what this album is. But the the themes of the album are really really well done, and I it, you know, thirteen year old me was just I was so high on Radiohead. I was just so into it. And then I got super excited when the eraser was coming out when I was a sophomore in high school. And that was my number two album. And then I, I've always, I've just kept up on the Radiohead bandwagon. I'm always excited when their albums come out. I'm always excited to see what they're going to do next and where they're going to explore next, which is part of what I loved about Daft Punk too, which mm-hmm. I think I talked about when I was talking about discovery, like, they were always about pushing the boundaries of their genre and exploring what else could be done and added. So, yeah. Radiohead. Radiohead. (laughs) So this was, I have not listened to much Radiohead. Um, And this was the one album that I listened to from yours, Alex. Um, And I don't know if this was the correct introduction for me. No. Um, It, no. It it was and I'm I'm sure there's like nuances that I, I'm not picking up on or, or just seeing, but it felt very I'm and I don't mean this derogatorily, repetitive. Mm-hmm. Like it, it felt very like like you were saying like droning or I think you even said like tonal or, or something like did you mm-hmm. say droning? I don't I'm not sure I'm, if I, I might have said something along those lines. Something like that. Like it just like and I could see that being good for like you know, like if you're sitting there and like meditating on it almost and like letting like like doing it as an experience i was listening to this while i was working Mm -hmm. um so it was not exactly like the best one-to-one like like learning experience for it because i think my only other knowledge of of radiohead is creep um Mm -hmm. which uh, i i enjoy and i know a lot of people don't like that song i think maybe i'm making it up they don't like that song oh okay (laughs) well i like creep so maybe i'm just not a radiohead guy well so the thing about it is they, they have um Pablo Honey was their first album and um, their second album is called The Bends and it's a direct response to the um, the response that people had to Pablo Honey because they got super famous really fast in The Bends, which is when you rise too high out of scuba diving. Mm-hmm. That that was, it, it's a direct response. Like we got famous too quickly. We don't know what to do with that. And that's what that entire album's about. And so 
there was a point in time where they refused to play most of the music off of Pablo Honey, specifically Creep, because it wow. was the it was the big hit and it was all anyone wanted to listen to, and they felt like it was overshadowing what they wanted to do musically and how they wanted to progress. So they, for a long time, looked at that song and they were just like, cool, it's great that people like that song, but we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to play it. We want to move on and move mm-hmm. forward. So I would definitely say that albums like, like if, if I wanted to introduce somebody to Radiohead, I would never have them listen to Hail to the Thief first because honestly... I'm fairly certain it's regarded as one of their worst albums. I think most people that are fans of Radiohead's put it low on their tier list, along with the album that came out before it, uh, Amnesiac, which these are two of my favorite (laughs) Radiohead albums, because I think people that like Radiohead, they tend to like uh, specific parts of their eras. eras of their career, because it's like, you know, Pablo Honey and the Benz very much have similar sounds. OK Computer and Kid A definitely have same similar influences. Amnesiac and, and Hail to the Thief do too. And then they released an album called In Rainbows that almost felt like a greatest hits album, but where they were all original songs. But you could look at each song and go, wow, this feels like it fits on this album. It feels like it fits on this album and that sort of thing. And there were people that had theories that they they talked about a rainbow code where if you picked a song as your favorite song, they could tell you what your favorite album is. And my mind worked. So I was just like, oh, that makes sense. Um, But yeah, if I was going to recommend an album to for people to start on Radiohead, it would be the Benz. Absolutely. Maybe OK Computer, but I think the Benz is easily the most accessible album of theirs. Yeah, I, I I'm sorry that I did this to you. It's, no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I feel like Brian was going to say something, but I'm like, oh, I thought it. Tiffany was because she leaned in. I don't have any. I, I don't have any. Nobody to wants to talk about one. my <laughs> shitty album. I'm sorry. I do not think it was shitty. I just do not think it was the right type of album for me. Yeah. Like I, I can appreciate what it was doing. I don't even think I can appreciate what it was doing. Like you're saying it was political. Like I do not pick up on that at all. Mm-hmm. And that's something where like I feel like I would either need to have been like reading through the lyrics and like trying to figure out like putting myself in the state of context when it came out because everything has a every piece of art has a context as to when it was created Mm -hmm. and i am 20 years removed from when this this came out i don't i no longer have the the angst or the 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 anger at the bush era politics that people had back then so it's a little bit difficult for me and and it's it's a lot (laughs) we have new angst yes very new angst (laughs) and it's it's a lot less overt than like a political album like war on errorism yeah like it's it's so i i feel like it's almost like softer on on the stuff and it's like more like uh, alluding to it as opposed to being like fuck george bush he's a piece of shit like it's not that type of an album right um, which is good because I think that stands the test of time over something like no effects is war and terrorism. I agree. And, and like I, I was, I meant to mention this earlier. It, it has a lot of like uh, themes of like Orwellian Orwellian themes and talks about like the way where we're moving to in the future. And like, do you, do you believe that a lot of people I know who are like, tangentially aware of or interested in radiohead think that it has a prophetic or timeless quality do you think that hail to the thief feels also prophetic or like if listening to it now does it feel like it still relates to current politics i i think 
and I don't want to get too political on the podcast, but listening okay. to it in the last four years felt incredibly relevant. What happened yep. in the last four years? We had a president. Oh, okay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it, it felt incredibly relevant in the last four years. I feel like that's being unfair. Yeah. <laughs> to the presidential to, office. To, to the office of the president. We had a person sitting in the seat of the president. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah, think he is, did. That's a little I, I don't think we, he was in We had room. a thing that appeared to be a human being that was elected into a place of power. Okay. Can okay. I say that? Yes. A golf course. <laughs> sure. He, he was elected into a place of power. I'm not saying he stayed there. Touche. But yeah, I I found myself revisiting it more frequently in, in during the Trump administration than I did during the Obama years. Like, if mm. I'm gonna be perfectly honest, and it definitely felt I I did find a lot of those themes even more impactful on me even though when i was listening to it back in high school like i i heard the lyrics and i was just like okay clearly i'm like i understand that a lot of people don't like bush uh, as somebody who was raised in like a republican household i didn't necessarily understand all those same ideologies but i appreciated what the album was doing and where it was going and i liked the lyricality of it i liked the musicianship i like i i think every single member of the band is really really talented and i love that everybody had a time to shine on the album because there are certain tracks where they're just like okay no guitars we're just gonna this is gonna be a bass and drum song and i like i like that experimentalism that radiohead always brings to each of their albums Mm -hmm. um I, I was reading about this album and, and it seems that they also started experimenting more with like the electronica aspect of this. How, how do you feel that that helped or influence so, their sound or they, they started experimenting with the electronica more in like kid a and amnesiac. This was kind of like the tail end of that where it was almost, it was moving away from the electronica and moving more into the like drum and bass, which is technically electronica adjacent but kind of moving into that realm, which I really dig. Like um, we listened to Galactic Melt last night and that's kind of more in moving into that realm than what I would uh, associate Kid A with. Um, So I I love it. Like I I really, really love the sound of this album. Yeah, I think similar to the Tom York stuff, um, I mean, probably for obvious reasons, um, this had a similar like, I a similar feel where you kind of have to be in a mindset to listen closely to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think Dwight kind of leaned on that a little in that if you're doing something else like working, it's a lot harder to, to like sink in to something like this. Um, It's super moody uh, for sure. Um, It is heavy on like tonal music and subtlety. So there's like, there's, there's a fair amount of subtlety because it feels it feels chaotic in some ways but it's it's all purposeful from what i can tell which it's kind of a unique quality so you know if people aren't are or not sure about radiohead or haven't given it a try um just you know know that you'll want to like if you're really going to give it a try definitely dedicate yourself a little bit to it so i agree 
Yeah, I haven't listened to a ton of Radiohead. Kid A is an album that I spent a bunch of time with. I think I listened through it on on repeat while I was in college or something, uh, mostly because while I was in college, a lot of people claimed that that was uh, a prophetic album, um, like one that was either timeless or future forward or or whatever. And so going back and listening to it was really fascinating. Yeah, it, it is still very highly regarded in the like radiohead sphere it most people consider it their best album mm. though most critics consider okay computer their best album their magnum opus as it were but fuck everyone hail to the thief is their best album <laughs> nice do you have a question for me Dwight? say no last question yeah last question do you have a favorite beep from this album? <laughs> so my favorite song on the album is the closing song, A Wolf at the Door, It Girl Ragdoll. But my favorite lyric comes from a song like halfway through the album called Mixomatosis, which is the lyric goes, uh, must have got mixed up, strangled, beaten up. And what they do right before that lyric is they overlapped like three different um, lyrics. One was like going backwards, one's going forwards. And, and then that line comes next as it all like gets unstuck. And I always loved that. Like it was, you get to that point and you're just like, Oh man, that's so cool. So that's one that always stuck with me, but it's so good. Fantastic. Well, I think that, What's the bow? I think that puts Did you the... just kiss your mic? What what was that? Oh, let me unmute you. Oh, you <laughs> muted me. I said I did. I kissed my microphone. Fair. I think <laughs> that brings us to the end of episode 75 slash 76. Uh, no refunds. Top five albums of all time undisputed like yes that, like and we can never change our top fives anymore <laughs> we can't this we've is set, it we set them in stone this is solidified forever um, for for people listening feel free to write in your albums even if you didn't make it into the episode i'd still be curious to get feedback mm. from people yep. absolutely uh, i would love add, to add um as many albums to our playlist as possible so people can yeah, experience you, you will see the alex the, what's what's the email address for that beautiful bean footage um <laughs> Roll that beautiful bean footage. No refunds podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. But all one word is not a part of the email address. It's just so stupid because no re- like all email addresses are just one word. You can't have a space in an email address. <laughs> so stupid. It could True. be underscore. It could be no refunds underscore podcast, but I would say the underscore. Also, if you have thoughts on our albums keep them to yourself thank you yeah i don't i i don't want your opinion bye um i i value everyone's opinion no matter how wrong it is i don't because i if if somebody came at me and was like your favorite album sucks i'd be like well i'm not talking to you anymore so well, that's what dwight just said to me he said my favorite albums i said and it was not sh- for me and you shouldn't talk to him ever again um i love dwight it's gonna be a very mm-hmm. awkward podcast going forward <laughs> we're both gonna stay on it alex we're will be like not um, talk to each other alex will do the tiffany can you please tell dwight that right. i 
no one's ever going to listen to the podcast again. <laughs> Tiffany, can you please tell Alex that the podcast is ending and it'll be over and that they are currently listening to um, the Hyper Potions, uh, specifically Time Trials? Um, hey, Alex, Dwight says... Oh my God, I can't do this. <laughs> that was immediate. No. <laughs> Shush. Um, Dwight says say bye. Oh, bye. I don't know if we're ending it, actually. Bye. Wait, are we ending it? Bye. Wait, is that it? Bye. Bye. I feel like... Sorry, I didn't mean to end it abruptly. Bye. Bye. I think we were done. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>